you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. See? And so we'll tack this on, so it's like a virtual jump. And that's interesting. Okay, there we are. So here, should I, I'll go with my, yeah, this way all the world can see my calendar that has get a fucking hobby on it. Anyway, <laughs> the I really should clean up my office and make it so that it's a more beautiful backdrop than you can, but I'm so used to hiding behind it. Oh, I'm in near the pyramids. That's where I am. Yeah, that's the right. thing. You notice I've got my muses up here. There we go. I've got Weird Al and Charlie Brown and MacGyver and Stephen King and Bram Stoker and Edgar Allan Poe. And somewhere I've got Jessica Fletcher, but she fell and I can't find her. So I'll put her up there as soon as I find her. That's a very good set. We have a couple, not Funko Pops, but bobbleheads that we have collected. Like you said, it's Shakespeare, it's Einstein. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, the whole Smarty set downstairs. I don't have them up here, but that's Okay, fun. so we both had cool weekends, some cool stuff. But before we start, I have a trivia question for you. Okay. I have one for you as well. Oh, it. no. Okay, I, I great. Something. All right. So... Here's mine. Okay. Who, what, or who was the second all-female group to reach number one on the Billboard Top 100? Singles. Something Motown, the Supremes, the Shirelles, the... Number uh, two, not number one. Not the first okay. group. So was there a... <laughs> let's see. Peter, Paul, and Mary unfortunately has. <laughs> How about more, something more modern? Maybe the Runaways or the Bangles or the... Is it, am I moving too far into the future? I'm not or going to something? give you a clue because it'll All make right. it too easy. Let's see. Alvin and the Chipmunks? No. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I give. Or your, your guesses were really good. So you I said know. the Supremes, they were the first okay. uh, back in the 60s. But there wasn't another one until early mid 80s with the Go-Go's. So I should have just kept going. See that? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's you would have got it. Yeah. You would have given me the hint. I would have started spitting out. Girl right. group names, etc. Yeah. Okay, and, and okay. yeah, because that, but that's like almost twenty years difference between them hitting number one. It just seems weird to me because love the Supremes, obviously. I love Motown, the baseball, right. and I love the Go Go's. I thought the Go Go's had some good albums. I like their stuff back that's in right. the pop eighty days. Yeah. yeah, but it's just it's weird that to me, an all female group. It's twenty years between the first and the second one that hit. I, I don't know. It just still seems weird to me. <laughs> there we go. And I agree. There should have been somebody in that 50, 40, let's say 20 year period, 20 year yeah. between 60s and 80s that somebody else would have come up. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Especially a group. I don't know. There's been like Carol King must have had a number one, but a single artist yes. instead of a group. I'm trying to think of, of the other Joan Baez. There's any number of Joni people that Mitchell, I would say they, they broke through. Uh, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. When so you mentioned uh, the runaways. I'm surprised that they didn't get that high, but they, they were short relatively, and Chrissy Hine, or Joan Jett, went on and had plenty of fame as the leader right. of the Black With Hearts. the Black Hearts, exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, maybe Runaways is one of those groups that it spawned all the other people that came out of the Runaways to go do other things. Nowadays, the boy bands often have the NSYNC or the New Direction or whatever, then somebody breaks out of it a la, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny. I don't 
I never try, I don't listen to a lot of them and I don't try to know a lot about them, but you're just so pounded with the publicity right. and the, the ever presence on, in the world of entertainment. Right. You can't help but well, learn about. It's kind of, I mean, it's because those groups, there is some talent in there. I'll give them that, but they are completely a corporate entity created to have a couple big hits, have a big couple tours, make a lot of money, and then they move on. And yeah. that's why they rise and fall so quickly. Usually Justin Timberlake or Bobby Brown or some of those others, you get one guy out of it or something, but yeah. they're so corporate. And it's funny because you get all these people that are like, yeah, I don't listen to that junk, those corporate bread bands, blah, blah, blah. So are the Sex Pistols. They were solely created to be- Malcolm McLaren was yeah, you know? there. Exactly. And especially, uh, Colleen and I were just talking about that. There, There's a documentary out now about like the birth and growth of rap and hip hop and that kind of music, if you will. And anything else, it's hard to be like edgy, fuck the police, angry for 40 and 50 years. Right. You grow up. And even the new groups that come in to work in that space, they don't necessarily have the life experience. And I shouldn't say that. There's all kinds of still incredible injustices about young black men do not have it easy in the United States of America. When I get pulled over and it's like, what do I have to pay for my ticket? I'm not fearing. Keep your hands on the wheel. Good Lord, don't do anything that's going to get you shot, even on camera, et cetera, et cetera. So having said that, the the kind of stuff we were talking about, like Motown has all kinds of things that that have been... They grew over the course of time, and but and even then there were still there was great artists there, but there definitely were Svengali's behind the scenes running it as to the hit makers. There were the backup bands that worked on every one of the albums. Yeah, so the Wrecking really Crew. Have, and... You know what I mean? Exactly that, the Wrecking Crew. And so it's really hard to find if and nowadays that really seems to be a big thing. Authentic music. It's a guy on a guitar and he really wrote it, or it's a band and they really did slave away in the garage started as teens were in the bars got a few breaks etc there's so many examples of where someone was plucked out because they had the sound and the look and then they bought a bunch of songs that would make it you know what i mean it's always it's not always apparent that really isn't their music but they're really good at portraying the kind of pop star that they want to be and i I don't know that i want to i don't want to get into the discussion of it because i'm not critical necessarily in that way but it definitely is one of those ways in which the public at large there's big wizard of oz curtains up and we do not see all of what really goes yes, into yeah. the record <laughs> you mentioned so. the rap thing and it is funny it's yeah i'm gangsta and i'm down <laughs> in the hood and stuff but i live in a five million dollar mansion and have a gold swimming pool next <laughs> to a dentist and a stockbroker yeah, it doesn't work like uh, that anymore not... <laughs> it's, it's talking about inauthentic <laughs> right I just, I, we always digress, but it's worth it here. One of the things that I've been doing lately is I've I've always, the reason I've accumulated so many CDs is because in my mind, I always had the get it for under $7. You find it on sale, find it. Lately, they've been having even better bargains where I think it's Columbia. They have a vast catalog of old stuff. And instead of it just going on to Spotify or various different music services, Apple, and they put out a little box set that's five good albums from a group and they recreate the album. It's a little sleeve, but then of course, depending on whether the album had like lyrics on it, you really got to break out the magnifying glass to read on a little album this side. But one of the joys of that, I don't think I've become super nostalgic, but some things that I haven't heard on the radio forever, it's a delight to hear Windy by The Association or Summer Breeze by Seals and Croft. And some of these things, they were pop confections, but they're beautifully crafted and they're perfectly, it's a perfect little three-minute thing. Right. Blood, Sweat, and Tears was actually not just a confection. They had 
excellent musicianship and excellent songwriting and so forth. And David Clayton Thomas, so his voice, there were other voices as well. But man, when and when you look at like the first or the second album, they weren't like, oh, it's one hit and a lot of filler. They had five hits off this album. Five right. things went to number one, Spinning Wheel and When I Die and all this kind of stuff. Think that I'm appreciating different kinds of music. I'm at the prog end where it's like, give me the 22 minute epic. But I also really like where it's just perfectly catchy and perfectly emotional and the voice is great and they, they highlight the voice, but the musicianship perfectly serves the song. There's craftsmanship for the people who were in the Brill building and knocked out perfect Broadway musical after album, right. after jingle, advertising jingle. They knew what they were doing. They were great at it. Hey. I've been delving into that. I got Mata Hoople. I oh. got, like I said, the association I bought and they're like, dollars a cd these are like 15 to 20 dollars so when you get five albums like i know that they've made their money they don't need to get any more money off of these but it's a right. bargain to me to get five albums that i might even have one or two of them but for three bucks a pop i'm willing to say please give me 10 santana albums for 40 bucks and that kind of stuff so i've been filling in the back catalog and in some ways of things because they weren't my favorites i don't have a lot of them at all but then if I'm going to have it, I don't want it just the greatest hits. I like when artists uh, yes. had albums that they actually, they chose the songs. They chose the song order. They're really, it's not really a concept album, but it was meant to have dynamics to the album. There yes. was a reason you flipped over from side A to side B and they had another punchy opener on B. Right. And so I'm just enjoying this little, for relatively inexpensive, I'm filling in my catalog so that if I really want to hear David Bowie or something like that, I can hear all of them. I can get, especially when they have things um, interestingly, they're not always only their best-selling albums. It'll sometimes be David Bowie had a number of things that weren't as commercially popular, but I like his more obscure stuff. So it's, wow, I'm really getting Aladdin Sane instead of Ziggy Stardust, but I like that music. I, anyway, um, right. I love this going on to Amazon and saying, wow, there's 30 things that I want here. I'm going to have to pace myself because I don't want to spend $600, but I'll spend 100 and then another hundred, and then another hundred, and keep on getting things. And Amazon's you know? <laughs> really nice and stuff about that because they'll definitely start feeding you more of those if you're buying them. <laughs> that's right, too. The recommendation engine is now popping things up for, hey, if you like Seals and Croft, then you probably like bread. You know what I mean? And once in a while, the recommendation is you buy cream. It's not buying things named after food because the music sure isn't the same from bread to cream. <laughs> right. So, and, anyway. and the great thing about a lot of that classic rock type of music yeah. It, like you said, is it's a lot of things you may have heard, not known who it was, or you may not even have heard them, but they were hits. They're just not like the top 10, top 20. They may have gotten to the top 40 and peaked at 32 and fell, but then there were like six of them on the album. And then their next album had four or five and their next album had four or five. And they all just kind of a little bit enough for like classic rock people to, oh my God, there's a million hits here. But a lot of people may not have heard them as much. That's right. And also, this is interesting, uh, an artifact of the times, there used to be quite a difference between the AM and FM stations, where every AM, everything really was three-minute songs and a lot of advertising and happy DJs and stuff. And when you started to get album-oriented rock, AOR, more on FM and stuff like that, and you get the real version of it. So, for instance, anybody who's ever heard Amy by Pure Prairie League loved that song, but before dun, 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 it kicks in, it has like a two-minute instrumental guitar intro that's beautiful and so when you hear it on the albums this is the song that they wrote and then radio said we're not going to get people staying on the station if we have this beautiful ethereal thing and i just discovered that steals and crops i'm 
they have either it's either hummingbird or one of their songs same thing it's not the radio version they have a very nice intro to it that always got lopped off and so that's the real song then i really yeah. like the longer version so i'm having fun with it i'm discovering things from 15 60 years ago that i did not know and nice. that's kind of cool it, you that's know, so. you don't get that a whole lot <laughs> after you've listened to so much stuff and a lot of those like we we're talking about the hits but a lot of those albums exactly you'll hear a song you'll hear a song that's wow that i've never heard it it wasn't a hit but that is fantastic i love that song the stuff that people may not know unless absolutely i could start naming some of those cuts yeah it i will continue to buy these eventually i'll exhaust myself because i don't need everything you you couldn't pay me to buy a pablo cruz album they might have had one or two good songs and i really like eddie money for instance but colleen really doesn't and so i don't have it in the house because if it goes down the stairs from from skynet and she hears these what's that I, I, she actually never does that but yeah, it's okay to not have every bit of music if you know that if you ever slipped up and played it in the car she'd be like oh i hate this you do still have spotify so you could always jump on spotify to get an eddie money and fix that's right. that's right in fact i'm aware that i'm bucking the trend i'm still buying atoms instead of digits and if i really wanted to hear a lot of seals and crofts i really could just say Give me that playlist, Apple. Give me that right. that channel and so forth. And yet, I like always, I don't want to hear only the hits, and I don't want to hear what they curate for me. I want to hear what the artist was trying to say. And I, there's an illusion there that they always had producers. They always had people saying, you got to have a hit, and we're going to do it in this order. So it might not be exactly my illusion of, oh, that's what Steels and Croft really wanted it to be. And yet, if I'm trying for it, I'm pretty sure that going to their actual album is going to be anything better than the curated playlist that people nowadays have. Exactly. You know what I mean? They have it yeah. A to Z. They have it most popular first or whatever else it might be. I got a buddy <laughs> who he'll buy the CD. He has thou a couple thousand CDs. Yeah. He just has tons of CDs and an album will come out. He'll buy the new album. Like extreme just came out with a new album and it's pretty damn good. Honestly, I just saw like, I've always, I love Gary Sharon's voice and I love Nuno Betancourt's guitar yeah. playing. He is the most like underappreciated, absolute talent shredder, et yeah. cetera. So Porter Graffiti, they have three albums that every single cut on the album is good. They're just not well known. And so right. same kind of thing. waiting for the punchline is fantastic. So I'm glad that they're still going because yeah. when Sharon went and joined Van Halen for a while, it was, oh, is that the death of the group? And they was, they worked apart for a while. So, they okay. kind of, it killed them because their two big hits weren't shredders. So people would get the album and go, what the hell is this stuff? But right. the it's music more than words was everybody was expecting. And then they're getting, yeah. get the funk out. Yeah. Whoa, that's, that's more a great song. But the, <laughs> the, the new song. album, he's, yeah, I'm going to go buy the album. He's, I'll stick it on my shelf. It may not even come out of shrink wrap. And then he goes and listens to it on Spotify. He's doubly supporting the band that way. Uh, and okay. I don't have to worry about always physical media. I can put it on my playlist and listen in the car because like yeah. cars now don't come with CDs. <laughs> Isn't that true? They got the port. They got the USB yeah. port. or the, 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 Exactly. Also, another shout out, Steve Stevens, who is the guitarist for Billy Idol, has a couple great solo albums, one called Flamenco A Go Go. That just, it's one of those albums. Every time I listen to it, I think I'm going to hear that again right now. You know what I mean? I so much, I don't listen to this often enough, and I hardly ever do that where I want to get the fatigue of hearing something. I don't put something on repeat. And yet, him, Thomas Dolby, there are certain things it's like, it's, I just want to immerse myself in this because it's so good. <laughs> right. And I like having my office out here because if I really am concentrating, but I have music going, I can turn it up a little bit. It doesn't disturb anybody. Absolutely. So, yeah. 
For an old guy, I still regularly crank things to 70. And you're coming up on certain passages in ELP or Genesis or whatever else it might be. I really want to hear Apocalypse in 9-8 at an apocalyptic level. (laughs) If it's too loud, you're too old and turning it up to 11. (laughs) Spinal Tap is coming out with a sequel with all the original cast. And I read that and I can't wait. You know what I mean? I that, that really was, if not the first, absolutely one of the first that was really big successful of the mockumentary, where it has all the aspects of a documentary, but they're making fun of the thing that they're supposed to be documenting there. And but gentle fun. It's not savage. And they're all such talented improvisers and so talented musically. Like I have all the spinal tap albums because they're actually like they're perfect for that flower people 60s thing, and they're perfect for the big bottom hair rocker and stuff yeah. like that. What a, what an amazingly talented bunch of guys! Very yeah. cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen enough drummers blow up yet. Um. <laughs> right? Yeah. So speaking of all this oh. pop culture nerdery, you went to Fan Expo. I was possibly going to go, and I ended up skipping for something that was really great. But tell me, how was Fan Expo? So I. Actually, I hope you don't mind this. I will reverse and say, please cover yours first, because okay. once I get to talking, <laughs> I might be bored. Right. Wait, so wait, wait, you wait. went to a very cool writer's conference, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So shout out to the Cuyahoga Public Library. They okay. do a writer's conference every year, but the last couple of years has been a little hit or miss. And I think one year it was virtual, like we're all used to for the last couple of years. But they have the, I believe it's the only writer's center for a library in Ohio, right there at the Lyndhurst U- South Euclid branch library. Okay. So we have a great writer's center. They get some great things going on, great authors coming in for talks and workshops. And I didn't know they were doing it this year. And I happened to go to a workshop a month ago and they handed out flyers. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're doing the conference. I didn't see it. And like, Sign me up. Coming right up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. And what, and it's always fun. Lots of talks and workshops, things to learn. I think I've hit that point though, where it's, yeah, I've heard all this before. I've heard these talks and that type of thing. But okay. the reason I really wanted to go was one, a couple reasons, insidious reasons. The main librarian there that runs all the writer's stuff. I met her through a couple other authors a couple times. And so when I went to the workshop, she goes, you look really familiar. And I'm like, yeah, I know Jay Thorne. I've been here for workshops. And she goes, okay. I'm like, okay, good. Now I'm in her head. So now uh, every time I see her, I'm like, hey, Lori, how's it going? Now she knows my name. I show up at things. So it's that when I say, hey, I'd like to come in for a panel or a talk or something. It's much easier. That's what networking is all about. Yeah. Not on the outside, but you're at the campfire now. And they're going to be happy to work with you because they've seen you're knowledgeable, you're pleasant company, you get there on time. So my other reasons for going was because they have a writer in residence. Every year they have a different writer in residence. And this year, the writer in residence, I did my event. I was at an event at Reed Memorial a couple months ago with her, and she was on my podcast just recently. So I was like, oh my gosh, Abby's the writer in residence. I don't think she mentioned that. I got to go and say hi to her. So now, you know, there's someone else. Plus then a friend of hers, uh, she recommended, I just interviewed. And it was a great talk. It's like this 78-year-old lady, first book, and she doesn't know much about publishing and all that, but she's really excited. She used to be a middle school teacher. So we had so much to talk about. And she just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be on a podcast. And I can't believe that was one of those. So I'm like, that's exactly what my podcast is for. People who 
have spent time with a book and have things to say, but nobody would talk to them just because who are you? I saw her in person and she was just ah, and talking to all her friends. Oh, this is a guy. And I'm like, wow, cool. <laughs> so there was that. But then on top of that, this is just a whole crazy influx of things happened. So a couple years ago, when I was still married, we started a podcast with a couple friends and Colin about cryptids. And there were four of us talking about it. And we found out there was a guy in Fairlawn that wrote a book called It Came From Ohio. And it was about cryptids and stuff in Ohio. So I shot him an email and said, hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast. He's like, I'm really busy. I don't have time for podcasts. Hit me up later and maybe we'll do that. Obviously, the whole podcast fell apart. But recently, one of the guys that works down at the comic store, who I've known since we were young, since he was a little kid, I was in Scouts with his brother. He was in Scouts okay. after us. He's eight years younger or something. He sent me a link. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that author. The author was actually talking in front of the house in Columbus, a state house on a topic. And I'm like, I know him. Cool. And so I sent him an email and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we're both friends with Adam Koss. And he goes, oh, interesting. Because what he was talking about was about scouts. My other friend who is now the scoutmaster, I sent her the link. She goes, oh yeah, I know him. In fact, we just had dinner with him like two weeks ago. And I send them another email. I said, oh my God, this is crazy, dude. I say, Jamie, he's like, yeah, we're good friends. I'm like, oh yeah, she's the scoutmaster now. He's like, wow, that's weird. So he was at the conference and he did a talk and I walked up to him and said, okay, I'm here to meet you. And it was like, wow, this is just, all that stuff just hit all at once. So it was nice. It's wonderful to, when that happens, that it's not just yeah. a tenuous connection. It's more like, wow. Everything is webbing together here. That's very cool. It, it, was, that... it was one of those, if there is a supreme being, if we are being guided, I've got enough signs. I need to meet this guy because we're being told we have to. Just right. go with it. <laughs> so you it, don't think about that. Of course, yeah. I don't think there's anything supernatural out there. But what I say is, it's a good story. Why did you yeah. end up doing this? Because this person who I knew from sixth grade mentioned it. And then I saw it like on a book cover in a bookstore. Yes. That is a good idea. And just, I don't want to be the fool that like, if there are any things such as omens, the signs from above, I was aware and I listened and I saw the pattern. <laughs> exactly. and that's why I'm doing it. I have all kinds of things that I've done on a whim. Like, why did I go to Banff? Because the name made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Who names the place Banff? Isn't that Nightcrawler's teleportation noise? You know that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, and same, I've done, when I've done cross-country trips, it's like, I want to stay in Ogallala because I want to tell people I stayed in Ogallala. Ever heard of that kind of thing? So it's cool to just acknowledge there's all kinds of reasons to do it. Why not say this is going to make a good story as to how I decided to go forward with it? Yeah, oh, okay. it was. It was nice. And then Max Books was there and they had a thing set up and Max I was talking to them and, and I was doing the same thing. I'm like, oh. So where are you? I've been wanting to get up there. You do stuff with local authors. I love that you're here and just talking, getting to know the guy. Hey, what's your name? Oh, great. Good to meet you. I says, we're going to have to stop up sometime. I said, thank you guys for being here. They're like, you're welcome. Appreciated that. So again, now I'm stuck in their head. So now I got to make a trip up there and say, hey, remember me? I'm that guy from there because they do a lot of local author stuff. So it, I'm getting to know them. And it's not just insidious for my own purposes because I'd rather support companies that support local authors and uh, companies that do things that help me because I push people to them. It's that mutual benefit thing. So just all around was a great thing. Plus 
they had their standard library book sale and I picked up a couple books for my mother for her birthday coming up that she didn't have. And it was just a nice day. Really good. The Abby gave her talk. It was fantastic. It was weird too. This man, if there's any other authors listening, I I don't know if Bill listens, this this doesn't apply to him, but I, there's a lady there that I had seen three years ago. I haven't seen her since because I haven't been to anything because they canceled most of it. And at the time she had been working on her first book for four years and she was there and she was still working on that first book and she just wants to get it right and perfected and she's editing it. And I understand that I've now known lots of people like that, but is the goal to write the book and enjoy that? Or is the goal to publish? Because have it written and have it be out there. Yes. Because from everything over these years, I've been doing this now, it's not getting that one book and getting it perfect, it's getting many books out. That's where you get the popularity and the sales and all that. There's the words of wisdom for the week for authors. If you've been sitting, working on your book, re-editing, 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 and it's time to release it and move on because you will learn way more by working on that second book or third book or fourth book than you will just redoing the first one over and over. And And believe me, you work on the book and it goes like this, And that's how good it gets in the first year or whatever. And then as you work on it for five more years, it only goes up a little bit better. Diminishing returns. That's exactly right. Very much. Perfection is the enemy of excellence. Absolutely. Okay. So there you go. It was a great day. I really loved it. I appreciated it. I I would have loved doing the talk also, but it was one of those conflicts that we run into with all the stuff we want to do. I'll hear you. I'll tell you, I did my talk. And if ever we do it as a panel, I absolutely have to transform it because I got through all my material with two minutes over 45 minutes. There's no way if we would have been chatty uh, or and adding other things, <laughs> all three of us. So you mean, oh, there's no this way we would have So I'll have to keep that in mind. Exactly. It, so it's the Fan Expo for Cleveland. Fan Expo bought Wizard World. And then Wizard World was like the Comic-Cons. And there's now big networks. So it makes sense. A certain consolidation in the industry means that when people are going to be asked to do these kinds of things, it's, I think, more attractive to go to the cast of Star Trek, the cast of Doctor Who, the cast of The Office to say, it's not a one shot. We're going to take you in six, seven, eight different cities around the country. They all have fan bases. We'll put you up. We'll have you on the panels that you'll get a chance to. Hopefully it's not only like vampiric. It's not the fans are going to. It really is still, I think, a nice fan experience. There's not like weird stalkery stuff there. And some I'm jumping around because there are multiple aspects of this. For instance, yes. I've never been a big photo op and signature fan because prices are ridiculous for a two-minute interaction no matter how wonderful and famous and beloved the guy might be or gal and so i don't like that aspect but the fact that there are some people that even in the middle of all that they're not being mercenary about it they're happy while they're wandering the show floor to get a quick shot to to give you real answers to questions on at the interviews and the panel discussions and stuff like that got to hear christopher lloyd he's one of those guys that has like half a dozen eight indelible characters some of the best stuff of all time to have been on taxi and in one flew over the cuckoo's nest and of course back to the future doc brown and was a villain in the star trek movie and just as you work your way through it it's cool to see how much he's appreciative he's getting a little bit older so sometimes he had to be prompted for the names of characters and other kind of stuff but he still has wonderful anecdotes to share about those kinds of things the voice is still there he can sound like uncle fester perfectly to rock that kind of thing and he might have been like one of them there was even 
latest Star Trek version with Ethan Peck and Anson Mount. They were there. They're not at the Shatner Nimoy level. They're playing Pike and Spock. So it's interesting to hear them and to hear what's being done in the Star Trek universe and stuff. But there's levels of fame, if you will. Um, Carl Weathers was there. Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. But he was only doing photo ops. Didn't really, if they had an interview session, I think it was, it might have been like right opposite my talk. And so I couldn't go to that. But also some, they have, it is, it covers much like our podcast, all kinds of aspects of geekery and nerdery. So they had anime and manga. They had animation. They had voiceover artists from animation, which is really cool to see the faces behind SpongeBob SquarePants or something. Colin loves that. He's got so many voiceover actors that sign his stuff. Exactly. Uh, Especially the Turtles. That's his big collector thing now. Of course, exactly. Science fiction, fantasy, comic books. And for these having started off with comic book conventions and there started to be star wars star trek supernatural that kind of stuff now it really is all those things and so comic books relatively are a little sliver of things going on so it was interesting my talk adventures in the comic book multiverse was the most comic book oriented thing they had going on there so wow. talking about comics and the history of comics and what makes comics cool and they had panel discussions and interviews and stuff like that and lots of good information but nothing was as informational and as focused as it i was very proud to be like i guess i'm like the standard bearer i'm still carrying the torch for let's talk about comics and how you should read more of them and they are more available because they got them in the graphic novels and the album editions and you can get on comiXology and see all kinds of forty thousand out on marvel.com nowadays or whatever so my presentation went really well for it was opposite 10 different things prime time 11 o'clock on saturday morning and yet i had two dozen people there and I love it where, like when you go to a Mensa thing, when you go to a comic book thing, you might know a lot, but you don't know a lot as much as everybody else in the room. Right. So I had people that were happy to chime in with cool little anecdotes and tidbits and corrections. I thought, I think this is Gotham City is portrayed by Tim Burton. Oh, no, that's Ryan Coogler's version. It's, Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to learn. <laughs> that, and so that went really well. I got a chance to meet Jim Shooter, Jim wow. Calafiori, Tom Grummet, all kinds of other comic book people. I make a point to stop by at their booths or going to the panel discussions. Cleveland has a treasure, a gentleman named Mike San Giacomo, who was like a longtime columnist for The Plain Dealer and wrote many times about comic books, like 1,500 columns over the course of 30 years. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so he knows lots of people in the industry and was often the panel leader, the guy that would interview and then get questions and stuff like that. There we go. We um, and so he and I have gotten to know each other over the years, because we've been to many of these things, and we acknowledge that we are we know a lot about these kinds of things, I guess. Here's a, a little bit of what you were talking about with the networking. Well, at one of the panels, when they were, it was about, one was about Superman and his history, and one was about Cleveland and its source of comic books and so forth. And honestly, that was not as well put together, because there's a number of people that showed up on the panel that said, so what's the topic of this one? They really hadn't done much prep. Uh, but then by talking through things, we were able to say, well, this is Siegel and Schuster, and then Brian Michael Bendis and his posse were here for a while before they moved to Portland. And I had a chance to mention Ted Sakura and the cool stuff that he's doing with La Palma and Punchline and Tap Dance Killer. Yeah, good. And that when I read the comics, and you can, I've been to that coffee shop and stuff. And Jim Shooter said, I've seen that guy's work, and it's a breath of fresh air. I love him. And it's like, Jim Shooter knows who Ted Sakura is. And I had a chance to, it's like, it's so you nice told Ted. to speak up for your friends. And then you're not, it's not obscure some really high quality people right. know of his work and appreciate it. So then I mentioned that to Ted at his booth out on the floor. And it's funny. I thought I was like, how cool is this? 
but he actually at one point had been at a convention where he had met Jim Shooter, and on one of his album editions, there's a pull quote from Jim Shooter, oh, saying nice. something pretty much like that, a breath of fresh air or something. But nonetheless, I wasn't doing that because I was pumping Jim Shooter to get him to say that again. <laughs> I really had no idea that they knew right. each other, and I had a chance to chime in with a little bit of comic book, a little bit of Cleveland, ask a cool. For instance, I went to one of these things, they have a sketch duel, where they have a couple artists and people throw out things they'd like to have drawn, and then they have door prizes, tickets that you get, and then they give those things out. And I kept throwing things out, and the guy was like, I never get a chance to draw Doc Savage. I'll be happy to do Doc Savage or The Shadow. And oh, does that all the time, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I just, and, and I had all these great suggestions. I didn't win anything. So I'm like, watching Doc Savage walk down the aisle to the lucky recipient is, oh, if I win something, then I can trade with them. Maybe they'll do it. I got bupkis. So I made a contribution, but our guy did not. I was not lucky. Oh. Walking the show floor. So Colleen came with me on Saturday and she had never been to one of these before. Saturday was a mob scene. They, I think they're probably in that 15 to 20,000, maybe 18 to 20,000. They're very attended. And Colleen doesn't like it that much because then it's all elbows and belt buckles for her. Hey. Especially people in costumes don't always have great peripheral vision. So when you get the run over by a stormtrooper. Yeah, sword in the face, that kind of thing, epaulets. But I had a chance, of course, to do the running commentary with her of, here's what I like. There's all kinds of things. Like, the show floor is full of everything. It's got t-shirts, and it's got art, and it's got swords, and it's got books, and all that kind of stuff. And as opposed to when it was a Comic-Con, I really pretty much stopped at every single booth and pulled out my want list and went through, like, the Mads, the Thunder, things I was perpetually looking for because they're not easy to find. So we got a chance to get her a cool t-shirt with the Cleveland Guardian logo. We've got the Guardians instead of the Indians. And it was, I've seen things that were like, I don't know, they weren't as good. This was actually brightly colored and at the right profile, like three-quarter profile. And it really is, that's a great shirt. Of course, Moose Size Al, you're in a comic book place and you'd think, they've seen comic book fans, right? Shouldn't they regularly go to 3X and 4X? (laughs) Damn it. A lot of them still stop at 2X. Wow. It's 3X, but it's five bucks more. And t-shirts were not inexpensive. They're like 25 or two for 48. Thanks for knocking two bucks off of 50. So anyway. (laughs) One thing you can't say though, just in case you like did, don't say to Colleen, hey, after June, you can come to a lot more of these because she may not retire so early then. She may rethink that. (laughs) (laughs) What I did say was, when I was, I did more of the show. I really fit the show floor in amongst other presentations and things that I was doing. And so Sunday was much less populated, but they still had, things had not been so pillaged and sold through that there was not a lot left. And so I might invite her back on Sunday when it'll be easier on her that it's not me carving a path, the big tank in front of her, but that we can actually kind of walk next to each other. I mentioned, I, one of the things, there I have my little, (laughs) he's adorable. Yeah, (laughs) he's a, Um, a pain. I love undiscovered authors they have all kinds of independence and often they have a book or even a series of books that they've written and the place that they best can sell them is at a place that's going to be appreciative of high fantasy of science fiction i regularly i break my seven dollar rule and i'm willing to do the 10 and the 15 and the 20 because i want to support them and i want them to encourage them and i had all kinds of great finds so that's why when i threw you a text mentioning hey i got some yes the pimp is going to send a couple i think interesting people your way Because I had nice conversations with people. It wasn't just the sale of the book. It was, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me about how you came to write this. Why, out of all these cool things here, would I pick yours? And I like people that can really immediately 
perk up and go, wow, I've done it. And they're just full of passion and enthusiasm and knowledge. And I just love that. So I really did invest. That place is a very dangerous place for my wallet. <laughs> yes. So hundreds of dollars later of hardly any, I didn't buy, I think I bought one comic book series called Calico. That's like a superhero that fights back against animal abuse. And I'm, oh, I'm, I saw that last year. They had that. Yeah. I've now got six issues. A couple so, issues. Uh, yeah. I bought the bundle. I hadn't seen, I didn't see that last year. And I bought Tantalus Depth. And I, I, I wish I had the stack in front of me. Maybe next time I'll do though. I, I Show and bought, tell. Yeah. Cool books. I bought cool little. So they're doing amazing things with 3D printing nowadays. And of course, that's coming into this field. So I got a cool dragon that's all articulated. You know what I mean? It prints where it's already joined together as links. And you can do multicolors depending on what how sophisticated your printer is. So I got a very cool, or in fact, him I do have. I already brought him up to the desk. Here's my uh, cool articulated dragon oh, wow. find, and he's all spiny. And they told me he was fluorescent, but I haven't seen that yet. Like he's not, he looks glowing because he's orange, but I haven't turned off all the lights and seen. So I'll have to see whether I bought a dragon in a poke. I'm yeah, hoping that yeah. I still have it. Let me put him down there. I didn't buy any t-shirts. They odd thing is that they almost always have had that year's t-shirt and because i kind of want to represent for fan expo or wizard world or cleveland i've got the cool one where it looks like the mtv astronaut and i got another one where it's a really cool mandala pattern and yet i didn't see that this year so no huh. no t-shirt to take out into the rest of the world for me but regularly I, so i've learned to bring along my my shoulder bag so that instead of having bags where i'm carrying them and they're eventually with the weight of what i'm buying cutting into your fingers <laughs> so <laughs> i had my bag so full and it was like, I got to switch shoulders because it's really digging in <laughs> on this side with how many books and stuff I, I wanted into it. And luckily, everything got home safe. I didn't put a book into a book. Sometimes you do that because uh, you're a little it. bit of rush. Yep. So I got swag. I saw wonderful, lots of good presentations, like I said, about comic books, about animation. Went to, I'm trying to think who else I saw interviewed. Emily Swallow, who plays the armorer on The Mandalorian. She and was there. She was God's sister on Supernatural. I was just going to say, sometimes I go with the blurb that they put in the program, but then I'm like, I know her from previous things. She was on The Mentalist. She was, there's some people have had, sometimes they, they embrace the genre and they have a long career, not in movie movies, but in genre, TV and movies. And I love finding that out. And sometimes because they're buried under a costume, you don't even know it. You know what I mean? How would you know what she looks like from the armor? Mandalorians right. never take off their armor. That kind of cool thing. Peter Weller was supposed to be there as the last program, four o'clock on Sunday, and something happened with his flights, or at least that's what I was told. Uh, and he had to bug out early. Oh, and he would have like, been. Cool. I was really looking for. I love not only Robocop. I love Buckaroo Banzai. That's one of those cool, quirky movies. They never made the sequel, and they should. And I just was. He's made a point of working in odd, interesting things. He's hardly got a conventional career, if you know what I'm right. trying to say. And I had a nice time with a little bit of celebrity fawning. They did an interesting thing. They, instead of having one costume parade, if you will, on Saturday night where they actually have judging and prizes awarded, I think they've come to the conclusion that it's really hard to pick who's got the best Beetlejuice versus the best Final Fantasy character versus the best. So they had collections of things where everybody gets together that's wearing Star Wars or Star Trek or Supernatural or whatever else it might be. And so it's fun to see all of the trench coats, all the semi-L. Is that? It's very fun. And I, I got not enough pictures. There's cosplay everywhere. 
It used to be that was maybe like a quarter of the people. All oh, people were mundanes huge. and kind of kept. Yeah, it's everyone, the, the young and the old. Then really, like some things, it's so easy to dress up as Harlequin. You just kind of like wear shorts. And uh, some people, they really put the work into an excellent costume, excellent makeup, little LEDs running along because they're cyborged out or something like right. that. You know how big cosplay has gotten? I was at a hobby. Was it a Hobby Lobby? Yeah. And they had a section. You no, know, they have the hanging down from the ceiling. Here's what section this is. So you can find what you're looking for. They had sure. one that said DIY, and it was for people building their robots or whatever. But right next to it was cosplay. And they had a whole section at Hobby Lobby just for cosplayers. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, when I didn't go to any workshops this time about it, but often I did, and they have people that talk about it really is like the golden age for being able to do that kind of stuff because the materials, the material science that's gone into being able to make the foam that you can carve to look exactly like armor, but it doesn't weigh 80 pounds like armor. Right. And the, all the different glues and paints and lacquers and how to make it, make it articulate so that you can move in it, not right. just sometimes when you see a furry costume and they got the big head on it, to make those eyes move, it's really an involved thing, but they've figured it out now. So... They had all kinds of, and even like little kids, a kid dressed up as Chucky that was like disturbingly good. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> kind of stuff. I just, everywhere you looked, it was like beautiful people and goofy people and that kind of stuff. I think I meant, even mentioned this on one of my Facebook posts. I don't know why this is, but I've got a weakness for like fishnet or pattern stockings. And so I'm not a dirty old man. I just don't do that. But when someone walks by dressed as the black canarius, I'm struck dumb for a moment and then I recover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Holy I hits just, you. just determined to not be that yeah. that guy. And yet there there's some people that they really the costume is authentic, they look beautiful or handsome in it. And it's funny, I should say fishnets, they're not just for the ladies anymore. So you see, sometimes guys that look perfect, Jesus in fishnets is just as you know what I That's so funny. I just very fun to see. How many people are taking that as an opportunity? You're like a little bit of role-playing games. You, if you want to be not yourself, it's a great opportunity to do that. I'm going to be not the big tank of a fighter, but I'm going to be the agile thief. And people are doing that there too. And I'm going to say this because I've pointed this out for these last half decade or decade, whatever. We got this huge push for diversity and inclusion and stuff. And I have said many times that come to the nerds because we've had many more people that are much more inclusive and don't and enjoy the diversity and encourage it and it's much yeah, safer indeed. it for your get your geek flag on you know what they say yeah. people that want to do the cosplay but we're always afraid to do it but they're seeing now that it's embraced now there are elements that still look down upon and I was laughing oh my god I was laughing so hard because <laughs> I was at the Streetsboro flea market and there were these old guys there and they had a box of baseball cards, old baseball cards, and they're going through them. And then they had some like toy model cars. And I'm looking, I'm going, you know what? Those are the same guys that since high school teased the nerds about playing Dungeons and Dragons, having their, their, their cards for old of the Pokemons or whatever, and their toys and stuff, but they have toy cars and they have cards that they it's Everybody's no different about different things. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? I, it was a, a, another wonderful thing about the con and, and Lancer really needs to adopt this soon. They have, of course, there's a, a consent agreement 
You know what I mean? When you walk in, you say, okay, I'm in public and people will take pictures of you. But it says, please ask before you take pictures of someone. Please don't touch. Their cosplay is not consent. I'm not here to be pawed. I'm not here to be. So everyone was very respectful about, can I take a picture? If it's a group thing, don't interrupt what somebody else is doing. They're going through comic books and don't, they're shopping for the next thing. It was, it's really wonderful to see. It is a safe place for generations of people, every race, creed, color, religion, sex, uh, variations thereof. Very cool. You so do get the exactly right. Go to get your let get your geek flag on. And you you'll do go get find an, a place that has been. Yeah, you do get an occasional person that is rude and inconsiderate and inappropriate. Right. You'll have that no matter what. But you also have a lot of people that will jump in and defend and say, "Hey, buddy, back off." And, That's exactly right. And including that, the thing that I've noticed more recently that people are much more accepting of is Wonder Woman, Power Girl. Whoever, they don't have to be these skinny little things. You get bigger women. You get all colors of skin tones and stuff doing just about anything. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. Yeah. If anything, that's a very, I think that's been a trend in my viewing for 20 years now where they do, hey, that's a female Deadpool or that's a oh, that too, yes. Wonder Woman or whatever else it might be. And it's still done wonderful, very well. And so it's, if that's their opportunity to say what it would be like to be not that woman. But, and as a woman, it's very cool to see the boldness, the love, the work that went into doing something that's really well done about that kind of stuff. Very fun. And very fun. you can't embrace the multiverse without accepting that this is a possibility within that multiverse. <laughs> exactly that. Loki's not only, Loki's an alligator. Loki's yes! <laughs> so, exactly. And that show's coming back soon. I can't wait because I really like that first series. You know what got me with that show, jumping over to it real quick? I liked it. I liked the MCU. I was watching it. I thought it was good. But suddenly, I forget, episode three, maybe, I'm sitting there, and it just hit me. I'm like, oh, my God, Loki is Doctor Who. This is a series of Doctor Who stories. <laughs> and I was when it, when, And then I viewed it a little differently, and I actually enjoyed it even more. I'm like, this is like a great Doctor Who story, but using Loki. So that was a revelation to me. <laughs> Boy, segue time. Have you heard the latest about Doctor Who? I just read, and no. I hope this is true, 14th Doctor is going to be David Tennant. He's yes, going to for a short re- time. For a short time. But still, they've never done that before. They've never had a Doctor return. And of all the Doctors they could pick, especially the modern Doctors, he's a great choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I was very excited. We had the classic conversation after Ace thing, we went to a party for a friend's 65th birthday party, and there was multiple generations there. And so me and another geek were talking across a lady that was like, I don't know, I don't understand a single word of what you're saying about regeneration and time lords and who the hell is David Tennant. And actually, you probably could have heard of him because he's not only Doctor Who, he's been in Broadchurch, he's been in all kinds of other oh, things yeah. now. But it really was that level of enthusiasm carried over from the comic-con to be like there's still some people here that they love supernatural doctor who that kind of stuff as much of course they had the ghostbusters car and they had the supernatural car they had i don't think they had a batmobile if they did i didn't see it and they had huge gaming areas gaming is a big thing there so they had console games and shared computer games and stuff like that multiple cleveland institutions had a presence so they had the cleveland public library and they had the cleveland asian festival and just it was like a bazaar you don't know what's going to be around the next corner, down the next right. aisle. And some things, it 
<laughs> I said this to Colleen, and it's really true. My interests are often so varied and omnivorous that I started to say this. I used to go booth to booth and look at every single comic book place to see if they had treasure. It's a joy to go up to a place that has, okay, they have anime glass pictures, none of which I recognize or matter to me. Oh my God, I can just walk past it. I can just, I don't have to look at every single thing here. <laughs> so as a way of getting through the show floor in less than 10 hours or whatever right. it could be, I happily dismissed the action figure section, the manga and anime made into big. They also, they have a lot of artists that are doing knockoffs of existing art. But what I want is the guy who really drew Iron Man. I want a sketch from him. And right. so I, some things really look good and I don't mind that, but I'm, that might be something that I need to do. I've stopped collecting comics because of getting to retirement, financial safety, and so forth. But I still read them. I still get them from the library and stuff like that. When I go to these cons, I think what I'm going to start doing is going to the artists because they regularly do sketches for 50 to 500 bucks. But if what you get from them is unique, nobody else in the world has that thing. I'd be happy to have some of those things up on my walls, perfectly preserved behind glass so that the sun doesn't do it and the air doesn't do it. Right. And like later on, it'll be, wow, you have the best sketch of the Red Hulk I've ever seen. Yes. Thank you very much. I specifically asked for Doc Savage. I saw that kind of stuff. Right. So it gives money right to the artist because there's also artists are not always, they don't, even if they have a long career, when they stop drawing, they stop getting paid. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of people there that have been amazing contributors, both writers and artists to mythology that we love. And yet now they're not getting work. Mike Gustavich, who did Justice Machine, really wonderful, but like lives in Akron and does most of his um, comic related income nowadays is from cons where he's doing sketch work and stuff like that because he's still a great artist, but hasn't hooked up. And if anything, even if he had hooked up and he did for a while, now generationally, not anymore. They're looking for the next hungry 20 year old. Yes, I can turn out a page a day. I can do five pages a day and run multiple series and stuff like that. So for those, I don't know, like titans of the industry that are now retired, I'm happy to say you can still do amazing stuff. And I would love to have something right. from you. So I'm going to start doing that more. I'm, I've never been a big original art collector. I think Colin has some, right? But oh, I yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't have hardly any, and maybe I will. That's one of those That's things cool. that now that we're into retirement, I have a little bit of money, and for something that I would love to see up, Colleen has a great statement she often says when we see, like, ugly art. So I wouldn't want to see that out of my window every day. Why would I want to have it on my wall right next door to an ugly scene outside? I don't want to live next to a slag heap. So that's what I'm looking for is I'd love to have some artwork that every time I looked at that, I was pleased. I remember that interaction. I love that character. Right. I was happy to help that guy or gal out. It's very cool. So maybe that's my next thing. <laughs> Speaking of, was Tom Zoller there? Yes, he was. Oh. In fact, yeah, he, in fact, he was doing a panel right when I finished Adventures in the Comic Book Multiverse. And I think I, met, I first met him when we were doing the Mike D pub quiz for 20 years here in Cleveland. So, of course, we recognized each other and had a nice exchange and stuff like that. He had a booth there. His, uh, is it like Love and Capes, right? He has multiple yeah. series and stuff like that. And he, yeah, he got a, num a good number of visitors at him and stuff like that. And uh, good for him. He's well, another guy that I had well, to talk to. Well, year at the so Fan happy. Expo. Sorry. Last year, he was supposed to be at the Fan Expo, but he had a booth, but he never showed up. I'm not sure why. Something still may have been COVID. Right? He did this for me. He did two book covers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I printed that out. I have a nice 
big copy of that I wanted to give to him as a thank you for doing it. But last year he wasn't there and I missed him this year. Got it. And my guess is there's certain Cleveland fixtures and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure he will be back because he continues to do well in the industry. There was another person also there from Pub Quiz that we recognize each other. It's like small world. To go back to that first thing is like just amazing how many people had a wonderful time. Colleen nice. really enjoyed herself. Just that. That's I'm not sure if I got to every single thing I should have mentioned. Hey, if some celebrity, some person that I should have talked about, sorry I didn't, but just that it all pours out. I've had times where I wonder whether. I'm not buying comic books anymore. Is this really still my thing? Is it for me? But because it's expanded to so many other geek, geekdom things, and because I think I still have the right attitude, I'm not like, it's not the only thing that I enjoy. I'm not fawning over people. I don't want people to be weirded out by my stalking them or anything like that. It's all overall, it's a wonderful place. And we talked about this for innocence, for safety. They do have, they have horror comics and there's a horror element there as well. But everybody there seems to know that it's make-believe. There's no people that are looking to be like, I'm going to open fire because I'm so unhappy with my life. Not an element there that I could see. You know what I mean? When they're dressing up in cosplay, and in fact, they even had this, when you go there, you have to get what you have as part of your costumes checked to make sure that they have a rule at the Huntington against... There's no live weapons. There's no axes you could really use on someone. And that kind of stuff, they have to be foam. They have to be as authentic looking as you want them to be. But no, you can't go nuts in the crowd. Hmm. So I really like that aspect of it, that it's still a place of haven, safety and innocence and enthusiasm. And I never for a moment felt endangered or that guy looks a little shady kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It's just, right. you can't get that at a 7-Eleven in some parts <laughs> of the True, or Walmart. (laughs) Yeah, so I just, that's a joyful thing about that. So I will go, I think April 12 to 14 for next year. I do intend another, um, Victor Dandridge, who is one of the guys that often he's been, was programming previous, and that's how I first got in to be doing these kinds of things. And now he's often the interviewer on various different panels and stuff. So I have that connection, that name to drop. And I think that he's one of the guys that does it not only here in Cleveland, but tours the country with Fan Expo. So I'm thinking... I could do this in Chicago. I can do this in Columbus and Detroit and Pittsburgh. And I'm trying to think of the other cities, Buffalo, anything that's within reasonable driving distance, it, it gets you in free. I got the weekend pass for giving my talk. And I wouldn't mind doing that. Like now that Colleen are about to be retired yeah. and we're you know, enough of a time, that little bit of, wow, I could be on the convention circuit and we'll go to Chicago for the three days of the show. And then we'll hang out three extra days right. and do the Magnificent Mile and things that I let's go to the cool museums and the cool zoo and places that Colleen and I still love doing. And it's just an excuse. We're here anyway. Let's hang out and see our friends. You know what I mean? Let's go to dinner. And if anything, there's people that often, when I've talked about going to like the Chicago things, I have a lot of Chicago area Mensa friends because I was there for so long. And they'll say, I want to go with you because I want to hear your running commentary. <laughs> like I gave to Colleen of all this stuff. I go back to the very first thing. I was really on for the talk. I gave so much great information and I was very, not glib, but well-worded. And all my little asides were like acknowledged with nice nods because you're talking to the group that gets it. And they got my jokes and I, it was one of the best talks I've ever given. Did I record it? Once again, no, I need to learn to bring along the tripod and the phone and set something up and capture some of this because my portfolio shouldn't only be Hey, I know Victor, I know Tashin. It has to be, 
watch this and see if you think this would be good for you. And right. I have done really nice talks. I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, yeah. And so that's my well, next step is to start to capture that. Keep me in mind if you are doing a talk on any of the plethora you have, if it's a date, time, and place I could get to, because I've got a digital camera now, I upgraded, and we could set it up and run it and record it and very easily have it already digital and be good to go. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, since I had proposed this and I, I didn't, it didn't get accepted. I didn't push to say, hey, this really would be good. We really can do podcasts at every single one of these events. And I would love to have this. I would go to the podcast that said, so. There's a thousand things to do here. What are your show highlights? Don't miss right. this program, this person, this. And us just gush about, can't wait to do this. Already did it. You should go do it too. I think it would be, it's a great distillation of all the cool stuff down there with enough enthusiasm and articulation as to think that people would really love to hear what do we like. Our taste is good. Our knowledge is good. So I'm going to I'm gonna shoot for that as well. And I don't mean to, pardon me, <coughs> drag you to... <coughs> Pittsburgh and Columbus, but it might be that that's something that you want to do yeah, anyway. Right. And then love to partner up with you on some of those. It's well, a joy to do this with you. I am going to go to Pittsburgh Friday and meet Richard Dean Anderson. So yes, I am yes. so jazzed about that. That's like my 15 year old self coming out of me here. Oh, did I die? Okay. And you mentioned also Armin Timmerman, right? You're going to go Armin Timmerman and Arm is it Strand, I think? Right yep. Now? Yep. Oh. Jeff Strand. Yep. Jeff Strand, oh. exactly. So That'll be cool. That'll be great. And is that it. what convention is that? Is that the Pittsburgh? The Steel City Con is in Pittsburgh this weekend. And I'm going from that, driving all the way down to Virginia to Scares That Care. It's a convention of horror writers that they the, they raise money for, I believe, cancer research or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Nice. Wonderful to see that you're active and involved in getting those cool things. And just that, there's something really cool about meeting your heroes. I, yeah. I have had many more good, when I met Stan Lee, when I met Ray Bradbury, they weren't feet of clay. They were better than I thought that they would be with how cool they were and how knowledgeable. And just there, I was happy to be in their presence for just a few minutes. I'm not a big, I got a big enough ego that I don't think there's many people in the world that I need to fawn over. And yet it's nice to show appreciation for Jim Shooter, you wrote the Korvac saga. I still have things that I quote from that series. It really made an impression on me, the themes and the pacing of the plot and all that kind of stuff. And it's very nice to be able to say that and have someone like, that it's not just gush, that it really is, I was trying exactly to show those things and I'm glad you caught up on them. You caught them, you picked up on them. Nice. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. All right, man. Very <laughs> all right. cool. It was a pleasure. Take care, Steve. Have a safe trip. Yes, I'm going to get my mom. My mom will be in town as of Thursday. So nice. the next phase of life, I'll have my mom 15 minutes away. Yay, oh, mom. Nice. So there you go. All right. Enjoy. Take care. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, relentlessgeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and Go check out our YouTube page where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.